We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm up your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What's up, CMOS girlies? Merry holidays, happy Christmas, all the things. Kate's here in Minnesota. Emma's also reporting live from the lovely central time zone. She's in Omaha. How's it going, dog? It's going well. Um, Thank God we don't record our podcast because the lighting that we both have right now over Zoom is like really, really awful. Um, I'm once again in my dungeon. That is my bedroom um, in the basement, but I'm good. I've been home since last Sunday. Um, I was like working this past week and I don't know for any girlies that will be able to relate, but um, I still had to work with East Coast time and it's just like very disorienting, like operating kind of in two time zones where it's like I have to like accommodate to the Eastern time zone, but then I'm still like an hour behind. So the days just feel like they've been dragging. I've been like waking up at like 4.40 to like work out because I'm crazy. Um, and so I finally got to sleep in today. And as in sleeping in, I woke up at like 6.40, but that is a win for me. Well, um, but yeah, that. no, it's been good. I'm just like happy that I finally like get a break from work and I can just like hang with the fam don't have to like entertain I can like wear sweatpants and lay low and look like a look like a bum but how's it going over in in good old Minnesota same same over here it's pretty chill laying low I got back like two days ago so I'm still adjusting to that Um, I have been really craving for the past week in New York City just craving going on a walk in my pajamas with my noise canceling headphones and I'm going to do that later this afternoon probably but you know a big um, note in the pod that Emma and I were talking about before we started recording here is that uh climate change is here and i don't know if we're ever going to get another white christmas and that's really sad because i think a lot of people you know climate change it's it's nice to have warm weather so i feel like a lot of people are not that concerned when it's hot because it's more pleasant than it being freezing but it's really sad to think like what if we don't ever have a snowy minnesota christmas again i don't know i kind of got sad and emotional this holiday season it definitely takes a lot of the magic out of Christmas and or even just like the whole idea of getting snow days off or like putting on your snow boots like that was like so much of like what my brothers and I did growing up but it's also just like so crazy too how I mean obviously climate change has been like 
going on for many years but like last winter it was like the total opposite extreme where it was like negative 40 so it's like yeah. one of these things where just like I feel like the weather now will just be in one of the two two extremes but yeah I was on my walk this morning and it's like super crazy humid and I was like sweating on my walk and I was like part of me was like this is kind of nice but also part of me was like this is like also very like unsettling um yeah. and yeah just like kids are probably you know they watch Frosty the Snowman and are like wait what's snow and it's like yeah you're not gonna experience it yeah, they're gonna be like all the California kids that go to NYU, and then they're like shook with the snow. Then they have to learn how to mm-hmm. layer and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, remember that one week in New York City when the sky was orange? Love that one. Totally forgot about that as I've been recapping and reflecting on what happened in the cursed year of 2023. Um, but yeah, I'm back. I don't really have any major plans here. I am gonna go on a Peanuts expedition. There's a bunch of Snoopy statues like scattered around Minneapolis because the founder of Peanuts is from Minnesota. And then my sister and I are going to go to a museum. Um, we're actually doing something really cute. And we're going to get dressed up. They have a children's theater in Minnesota that's like semi-professional, like theater kids, I want to say, that are like younger than high school. And they put on the Grinch every single Christmas. So mm-hmm. my mom bought us tickets and it's like a little fancy, you know, day. We'll go do that and get some dinner. So I'm going to stunt on these hoes in the Midwest. I packed heels. I also have a wedding to go to. So I'll be 6'3 at this wedding. Um, Hell looking yeah. Looking for my 6'5 husband uh, in the Midwest. That's my new mission plan for my trip home. No, not seriously. But if it happens, it happens. I mean, we love a Midwest man sometimes, depending yeah. on their political views. Um, Yeah, kind of just doing the family stuff, all the holiday traditions that we have. We celebrate christmas eve with my mom's side and then we'll do some fun christmas things with my immediate family on christmas day i fly out the 26th because that was the cheapest flight option um but it's like so interesting now coming back home like i think like when i was back in college and like so into like the health and wellness stuff i still am but like i'm not as like psychotic about it where it's like i remember i'd come back here and i'd be like i have to go to like all the grocery stores to get like my sauerkraut and like my prebiotic yogurt and like all these other things and now here i'm like I'm just gonna like eat whatever the hell we have in the fridge like I barely packed any supplements I'm like I'll eat my two Brazil nuts and call it a day so it's just interesting kind of reflecting on my relationship with health and wellness and like how much more lax I am now and like previously I would like freak out about like the holiday meals but now I like look forward to it because it's like nice being like taken care of and just like eating different foods um and yeah it's just kind of interesting you know reflecting as I've gotten older and have been coming back home just like what that dynamic and experience has has been like and I'm sure a lot of other girlies can relate to that too but yeah it's just interesting witnessing my kind of my relationship with health and wellness sort of alter as I've as I've gotten older yeah I was gonna say the exact same for me uh kind of same notes where I'm definitely much more flexible I have less food anxiety I'm open to eating holiday meals and stuff um but my I've realized that my mom is like the epitome of like girl dinners. Like we, our snack drawer is not even like an almond mom thing. It's not really like an ingredient household. It's just like stuff that you can, you kind of have to just eat randomly. So I feel like, and we've just been talking about since my dad passed, all of us are kind of having girl dinners all the time because I cannot be like mentally like in the run to put on a meal. So we just do all these like mismatched, like little snack plate things for all of our meals. Um, but one thing that always happens to me when I'm back, and I'm very conscious and self-aware of this, so it doesn't lead me into some doom spiral, is I always get some weird body image issue when I'm back. You know, I'm looking in these same mirrors that I had, like, panic attacks every single day when I was 17. Um, just thinking about what I used to what I used to think about myself when I kind of went into my kitchen, went into my bedroom, you know, went into my parents' basement, lifted weights. Like, my self-talk used to be so negative, and I used to just have, like, such a dimmer life and I don't ever want to go back there but I still think I like remember that a lot when I'm here because I'm in that 
exact same place. I don't know if that makes sense to people, but I can like see my 17 year old self and I can see like what I used to do or like, let's say like Emma was saying about food earlier, like yesterday I ate like three Christmas cookies and I'm just imagining like what 17 year old version of Kate would have said to herself when she made those choices. And I'm like so happy that I've grown beyond that. But I feel it's just, it's kind of weird being in a place where you remember yourself like not being well and healthy too. Yeah, I also think for me too, I realized like this is like probably one of the first few holidays where like I almost like didn't even glamorize the food or like gave the food some sort of like control over me. Like I remember like over the holidays, you know, like back in, uh, you you know, college or maybe like my senior year of high school and like trigger warning to anyone who's listening to maybe still struggling, but like I would like, you know, purposely like maybe not eat as much a few days knowing that I would like have like a quote unquote indulgent meal for Christmas, but it's like so nice just like being like so like natural in the moment with like the food and holidays where it's like oh yeah, I'm going to eat part of the charcuterie board because I am hungry and like I want to like experience this jam or like I want to like try this toffee that our neighbors made. So yeah, I think that's just part of growing up and becoming more comfortable with who you are and confident in your body. But um, yeah, I just definitely wish everyone the best with holidays because I know it can still be very troubling for for some, whether you're struggling or just like, you know, for family dynamics. Um, I know the holidays can be definitely a challenging time. And so if it is, um, we're here for you and we definitely hope that you guys are able to make the most of it and find some some joy. Yeah, I'm kind of in there where I wasn't really excited to come home for the holidays, to be honest. Like, I don't really want to do traditions. I don't really want to think about, you know, the way that holidays used to be. This is my first holiday without my dad for context. Um, but I've been trying to find small moments. And I think also if you are kind of going through it for some reason, like allowing yourself to be sad is very normal. I think when you try to suppress it and just be like, well, I have to feel like I put on a happy face because it's Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate. Like, that's not going to really help you grieving or going through whatever you're experiencing. So yeah, don't be, I mean, you can be the Grinch if you want to. I feel like I was the Grinch for a little bit like yesterday, but you know, your family is not going to be expecting you to put on some performance. Um, And yeah, just know we're thinking of you and hope you have a lovely holidays. Um, Sorry, we didn't pod last week, just chaos for the holidays. And the CMOS girlies, we need a little holiday refresh. But today's episode, we're excited. We got a lot of new subjects from you girlies. Um, I'm super pumped to talk about nasal breathing, which is my new newest obsession. Um, But I will call Emma back and then we will get into the meat of the pod. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our next partner is a product that Emma and I take every single day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to find a greens powder that actually blended together. 
The taste is hands down the best greens powder I've been able to find. It even has a mild tropical taste and you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, adaptogens, you name it. For me, I started taking athletic greens because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I've always known that taking a greens powder is a great addition to one's wellness routine, but I could just never get past the unpleasant taste. This completely changed once I started taking athletic greens. It tastes so good that I actually look forward to drinking it every morning, something I never knew was possible. Plus, athletic greens contain dairy-free probiotics. And let me tell you, my digestion has never been better. Another thing that Emma and I love is that it's the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is go visit athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash CMOS to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Okay, CMOS Girlies, we're going to get into the main part of the episode. This is a very skin-heavy episode. We're going to start off with keeping skin hydrated in the winter because we are now in that season where we're all experiencing dry, flaky skin. Uh, The Repke family has very delicate skin, and so I always dread the winter, of course, for many reasons, but one being just like how dry and itchy and sensitive my skin gets. Um, and so I'm sure a lot of people are also struggling out there. If you live in a warm, humid climate, you likely don't have to worry about this, which I kind of envy you for. Anyway, why our skin kind of gets dehydrated in the winter is primarily just due to like cold air, the dry heat and low humidity. All this really zaps moisture from our skin. And so people who experience or people who do have eczema or just like naturally have very like sensitive dry skin, you can often see flare ups around this time. That's something that I definitely experience. Like I get like really uh, flaky skin around my cheeks and then my hands also start to crack a lot. So yes, we're going to be talking a lot about like skin, like as in your face, but just kind of also keep in mind just your total body because you have skin all over. Um, so kind of a few things that you can do to stay hydrated and to really like lock in all that moisture. There's a lot of things, but really the first thing that you should do in terms of like your face is just to immediately moisturize since washing your skin does strip natural oils from from your skin. And so a lot of people also may need like a thicker moisturizer in the winter. I use the same moisturizer um, year round. It's just the CeraVe one with the SPF just because it's, you know, killing two birds with one stone. I don't have to worry about also applying sunscreen, but I've been using the CeraVe hyaluronic acid. It's almost like a lotion substance. And I pump that onto my skin after washing my face just to really add in some extra moisture there. And I know some people kind of switch up their skincare routines. I'm pretty simple when it comes to the products that I use. Um, so I don't have too many recommendations for you all. Um, another thing that you can also consider is like using overnight treatments, such as like emollients or slugging, which, um, I know was like really, really popular, I think like last year, and it still is relevant today, but slugging is just kind of like the idea of using like a really thick cream, whether that's like a, a Vaseline or something, um, similar to that, just to really like further lock in and help really bring in additional moisture to your skin and repair the skin. 
And the reason that it's typically suggested to utilize those overnight is just because that moisturizer is so thick that it just takes so much longer for it to really absorb into your skin. So it's better to do it overnight. Also, like if you're, I can't imagine like doing Vaseline and then putting makeup over that, that would just like really clog up your pores. Um, if you have additional, um, you know, income or you're able to like spend additional money on other products, you can maybe even consider getting like a humidifier to add back moisture just into your environment. Um, I don't have a humidifier. It would be lovely to have one, but I'm just kind of like, I'm going to write it out. And then once, you know, it becomes warm out again, my skin's totally fine. But I know some people have really found great success in that. We, we have one back at our home just because my mom and my brother really, really struggle with, um, really dry skin. Um, Another will just be avoiding hot showers, which I know in the winter time, the last thing you want to do is like take a cold, lukewarm shower. I want to take hot showers all the time, but as I've gotten older, I'm like, you know what? I will suck it up and I will take a very dull, you know, uneventful, lukewarm shower if it means I'm not like scratching at my skin all night. Um, and again, it's just because hot water can really strip the moisture from your skin. Again, really just like prioritizing like drinking um, a lot of liquids more than you would maybe think you would need. I know like in the summertime, it's like so much easier to guzzle down water just because you're like hot and always quenched for thirst. But water will really help in terms of keeping your skin and full body hydrated. Um, I did want to kind of touch on for swimmers because I know there are some swimmers that listen to the pod and just like swimming just naturally whether it's in the winter winter time or summertime you're going to always kind of have a little bit more dry skin compared to people who maybe are just running or doing hot yoga and it's really just because that chlorine and just all the chemicals in the water can leave you like really itchy and scaly it's kind of like the idea of having like that mermaid skin which i'm sure a lot of people that are swimmers can relate to um and chlorine is also known for like contact dermatitis so basically what that means is like you can develop some sort of reaction to the chemical once it touches your body so a few things that i recommend for swimmers and i'm sure if you are a swimmer you're already doing these things but um showering and moisturizing immediately after swimming just to really rinse off that chlorine um off your like hair and skin and then using like a nice thick moisturizer as well. There's certain like ointments that you can also apply on before getting into the pool to help prevent like that itchy and dry feeling afterwards. Just make sure you're buying something that's like actually intended for that purpose, just because some moisturizers or ointments can maybe have like negative reactions to the chemicals in the pool. Um, another thing too, is just going to be making sure that you're really drying off with like a towel and not necessarily like rubbing your skin, but kind of patting it dry. Um, air drying can actually further dry your skin. So, you know, just make sure you're not just jumping out of the pool and just like, you know, laying out, laying down and having the, the air dry you out, just use a towel, which I'm sure everyone's doing. But then again, lastly, just drinking and hydrating. This is especially important for swimmers, just because when you're in a body of water, you may not realize that you're like all that dehydrated but you really do um, lose so many like electrolytes um, from, from swimming. So just making sure you're properly hydrating, whether that's like with element, um, you know, some pink Himalayan sea salt in your water, or honestly, truthfully, you can just have regular water and it'll still get the job done. But yeah, this is kind of something that I will forever be dealing with. Um, and it's just something that comes with winter, but maybe with climate change, we will start having more humid winters and all of us will have less dry and achy, achy um scaly skin um I yeah just kind of use CeraVe body lotion I have a buffing bar that I'll use occasionally to take off the dead skin but really other than that I haven't gone too crazy in terms of products you don't have to spend a lot of money on expensive lotion truthfully like stuff at the drugstore is going to be just as good if not better than whatever you're getting sold on Sephora 
Yeah, another good product. I my skin is pretty normal. I feel like throughout the seasons, but a good product for the winter is Waleda Skin Food. I know they Yeah. have it at Whole Foods. It's so thick, and you truly do not need that much product. And so I feel like the bottle is like twenty dollars, but it lasts you like a pretty long time. Um, but yeah, while that climate change point, I really need someone to do like an essay. Maybe it's out there, or like an audiobook or a podcast about like. how the fuck uh, climate change is going to affect our skin. Like, that's going to be crazy if it's, like, always humid or something. Like, I never have thought about that. Um, someone get on that. Someone get writing that piece, and I will happily read it. But uh, my first topic for the pod today is about nasal breathing. I got a few CMOS girlies DM me that they want me to talk about this in the pod. Um, I did a YouTube video on it, and it was inspired by this book that I picked up. And I've had this book on my list for a while, and I think it's a pretty popular, like, in the nonfiction section. I feel like it was always sitting in the front at, like, McNally Jackson or um, Barnes & Noble. And it's called Breath by James Nestor. So it's talking about breath work. It's talking about how humans have adapted our um to to mainly mouth breathing and talking about how like breath work can be this sort of saving grace or this like lost art when it comes to preventative health care so with anything health and wellness related this is like my biggest disclaimer because I got some people in my dms like this book is like not valid and like whatever doesn't have perfect clinical studies to back up this guy's theory whatever um everything that's going to be using like eastern and western medicine you have to take with a grain of salt so like this guy's using a lot of like historical references from um eastern medicine about how like breath work has been powerful whatever and then he kind of puts himself through this like experiment which i'll talk about in a little bit but yes the guy doesn't have like perfect science to say that breath work like causes or cures disease and that's not what he's saying in the book but i think whenever authors have like a very specific way of alternative healing to like you know be kind of this fix-all in the healthcare system like people who are like keto is the answer or intermittent fasting is the answer or breathwork is the answer like all of them are kind of operating on a lofty hypothesis when it comes to health and wellness and so some people just thought like oh this guy's not like valid like breathwork can't obviously like reverse like someone having cancer which is not what i think he was trying to say but it is kind of a, a lofty framework that the book operates in so the guy's main like thesis in the book i would say is that mouth breathing has shortened our longevity and we're living you know we have more disease rampant in the healthcare system we're living shorter lives and we have like less quality of life um towards the end of life and it's because we have become a culture of mouth breathers and so if you're a normal person like me well i think kind of normal um i feel like we're walking around like throughout the day not thinking am i breathing out of my nose or am i breathing out of my mouth like i would never really pay attention if my mouth was open when i was going on a walk or like just sitting down or something like that but he looks at this like very specific history like of, of like uh jaw line stuff like jaw, jaw structure dental history he looks at how our teeth have become more crowded and he's taking all this data and like looking at now why we have so much death and disease and so his kind of logic is that because our mouth is open we tend to mouth breathe more than we used to we used to be like primarily like nose breathers um this has led to so many like health uh negative health consequences because it requires so much more energy for you to be constantly mouth breathing that it not only hurts things like obvious like your aerobic fitness so someone like an endurance athlete like a runner um you don't want to be mouth breathing all the time because you're going to get a lot tired more quickly just how like you're using oxygen with your mouth versus your nose um and then also your cardiovascular health so this relates to like the disease aspect of like heart disease and other things that come up later in life his kind of idea that's like once again a loose idea is that since we've become so dependent on mouth breathing, a lot of our biomarkers are getting worse. And so to like prove this 
thesis in the book, he and a few other people go through this experiment where the first two weeks they like they plug their nose in some way so they are forcing themselves to be mouth breathers for two weeks straight and then at that point they go into this lab and then they do the opposite so then they're nasal breathers for two weeks i tried i'm trying to remember how they did it with i think it was just conscious like if they're eating a meal like you obviously have to have your mouth open but just making sure you're not breathing out of your mouth a lot um and so they measured of course all these different biomarkers on this guy like before when they were doing the mouth breathing when they were doing the nasal breathing and the doctor was like really shook by how like who was running the experiment was really shook by like his numbers changing that drastically so his like ldl profile which relates to like cholesterol and like heart disease changed rapidly his vo2 max went down significantly so it was like a lot of different things that you didn't really think would be that significantly changed in like a two-week period at least for like my knowledge like i didn't really think that could do that much um And so he talks about like, it's because our jaw structure has actually changed the way that our teeth are overcrowding. We can't take, you know, breaths out of our nose in the way we used to because of our facial structure. And like, I totally agree. When I go on a run, if you told me like, can you cannot open your mouth? I would be like, I don't want to breathe out of my nose because it literally feels like I would be breathing out of a straw. You know, like it doesn't feel like I have a lot of access. Like I can't get that deep of breaths out of my nose, but we used to be able to like breathe really deep full breaths out of our nose um and now our sinuses are like all fucked up and different um so yeah it was just a very interesting read I feel like it's a very like CMOS girlies read because you've probably been advertised like nasal strips or mouth tape at night like I have and it's an interesting you know pillar of health that I think people should pay attention to the book also just talks about breath work more generally so people who have a meditation practice people who have strategies to like slow down their breath like do much better in like um situations of like emergency and so it's just like another aspect of health that I'm really interested in mainly from like a running perspective because like I know this is a whole side tangent but I slouch a lot when I run and it just restricts my breath pattern whatever so breathwork is going to become like a very serious pillar of my health in 2024 and I just thought I would shout out the book um because it's very very interesting very kind of kooky in some parts but very interesting now I'm just going to be questioning whether I am a nasal breather or a mouth breather. There's actually someone on my swim team that uses the mouth strips because mm. he is, he's someone who snores and he says that the mouth strips help him with like not snoring. So I don't know if any CMOS releases do snore, but if you have someone in your life, maybe your significant other does, maybe get them some um, mouth tape for their stocking or Christmas present. Um, yeah. Well, I actually, one thing I forgot. One thing I forgot to say about that, which is a big point in the book, he talks a lot about sleep apnea and how sleep Mm -hmm. apnea leads to things like cancer and heart disease and stuff. And so that's kind of, I think, a huge um, like theme in the book talking about like people who snore, like you should probably be more concerned than you are about that because it can like lead to scary things down the road. Yeah, yeah. and I'm also kind of excited that this is starting to get some spotlight. It's getting a little bit of a facelift because I think a lot of people don't tend to think about the really unsexy aspects of health like sleep is so important but it's something that people just kind of shrug off or don't really think much of just because again it is like so boring compared to buying all like the fun supplements but like Kate said it is like such an important pillar and it is so much tied to like general public health uh so I definitely anticipate this to almost like continue to be a trend into 2024 maybe we'll like read off one of the trend predictions for next podcast I know those are starting to to come out and see if we agree with them or not um the next topic is going to be about tips for acne we got a few questions on instagram on the meme page for this i'm definitely not the most certified person to be talking about this i'm someone who still experiences acne but maybe someone 
will like to hear it from someone who's also struggling here and there. Um, I think one thing to really note is that you can be doing all these amazing things that I'm going to list off, but you can still experience acne. And a lot of it is just tied to genetic makeup. And you don't know what, what people are maybe on certain medications to help like prevent them from getting acne. People are constantly getting like Botox fillers and other things. And that can potentially have an impact on whether or not you experience acne or not. Um, and so I think that's something that I have kind of come to realize that it's like, Hey, Emma, you're not like a failure because you still get acne, even though you're eating the healthiest out of everyone, you're working out all the time, et cetera. Like you can still experience it and you're not like a flawed person because of that. Um, I think one thing with acne and just experiencing anything skin related is just, it's so hard to really know what the root cause of it is. And it's like so easy to spiral and ask yourself, like, is it due to diet? Is it because of sleep, stress, alcohol, et cetera? Um, there's a, something called like the face map. And I have found this to be really helpful in understanding what may be linked to my acne. And this is like typically utilized a lot, like in Eastern practices, but it essentially, what it is, it'll just like tell you um, whether you're getting an acne, like on your cheeks, your jawline, your forehead, it will kind of explain like these might be a few reasons why. So for example, if you're getting acne on your chin or along your jawline, that it will largely be tied to like your hormones or diet. If it's around your forehead or nose, it can be tied to again, like diet, stress, or just related to touching your skin with dirty hands. And then the hairline will usually be related to hair products or even just like sweat. If you're sweating a lot in the summertime and wearing a hat or like a headband, um, Tips for kind of, you know, reducing acne or avoiding flare-ups. Again, a lot of it's going to be related to hygiene and one thing might work for some someone, other one, other tips or, you know, protocols or products might work better for others. So I think like general rule of thumb is just like not touching your face. This is something that, you know, we all probably do and don't even realize it. Um, washing your face daily. I think that's a given. Um, cleaning your pillowcases and swapping out your pillowcases at least like once a week. This is one area that I'm not the best at, I will fully admit. And also like makeup brushes. Again, I have not washed a makeup brush in years, so I'm maybe not the best person to be giving general advice. Um, but I like to maybe think that like my skin has just become like immune to like how dirty my makeup brushes are. Similarly to like, you know, I don't have a a dishwasher in my apartment. So like, I'm convinced that like none of my plates or forks are actually clean, but I like to think that that has actually boosted my immune system. Um, that's getting a little off topic, but also too, just like really making sure that you're like fully moisturizing because if you do have oily skin, you might be like, Oh, I don't want to like use a thick moisturizer or an oil just cause that's gonna make my skin even more oily. However, actually like avoiding oils or thick creams can make your body actually produce more and more oil and then clog up your pores because it's just trying to like make up for the lack of moisture in your skin. So just get something that's really gentle. I use rosehip oil. I just get like a small little tincture from Whole Foods. And I feel like that has really helped my skin a lot. There's so many oils on the market, but they can get really expensive. And again, you don't have to spend a bazillion dollars to really um, fix your skin per se. Um, stress and diet are a huge one. And I think like people in their twenties, a lot of the acne that they do experience is going to largely be tied to stress and diet. And just because like these both can trigger hormones that do produce, do produce oils and also cytokines, which are little tiny proteins that can lead to inflammation. Um, you know, we all are kind of navigating adult life, learning how to become financially independent that comes with like its own stress. And, you know, we're kind of all figuring out diets. And I think like a lot of us become sensitive to different things as we get older. Um, and also you're starting to drink alcohol and maybe partying and that can also just lead to like maybe poor food choices. Um, so it's typically recommended if you want to kind of dial into your diet, 
Um, eating just like really low glycemic foods that won't spike your blood sugar just because when we do spike our blood sugar, that kind of does create like an inflammatory response in the body. And again, if you're a CMS girlie, you probably know all these things. So limiting your intake of like highly processed foods and like also just like sugary foods, I'm not going to tell you to completely avoid that because I also want you guys to enjoy and live life and also indulge. But then also look into potential sensitivities. So dairy, if you like realize that like if you're eating like dairy a lot a few times um, consecutively throughout the week and then you do have a flare up that could be tied to it. Um, or maybe if you like don't eat too much like refined sugars and then randomly one day you get an ice cream cone and then the next day you wake up and like have some sort of pimple, it could largely be tied to that. And then again, too, like if you are kind of at your like you're at the end of your like process of figuring out like what could potentially be the root cause. There are obviously dermatologists that you can go to, to get, you know, an actual prescription for certain products. Um, but a lot of acne products can be purchased over the counter. So really looking for products that are rich in salicylic acid, benzenol peroxide, and azalea acid. Um, I use all CeraVe products and I have found those to work pretty well for my skin. And again, just like usually sparingly, they can also dry out your skin. So again, just making sure that you're really adding moisture back into your skin. Um, and yeah, like I said, like you can be doing all these things and still have acne. I still get chin acne. That's really the only place that I do get acne. And I know that it's primarily tied to um, diet. So I'm home right now. We've been eating like some different foods that maybe I wouldn't typically eat when I'm back in New York living my regular life. And so I kind of expect myself to get acne and I'm just like chilling with it. I have my little protocol to help um, reduce that, that those flare ups. Um, but one thing is that you may never get acne until your period is about to come. And this is extremely normal. And it's really just due to a dip in hormones such as estrogen and progesterone. And it kind of then triggers like the sebaceous glands to produce more oil, which again, just kind of clogs your pores. Thus, a lot of people can get like whiteheads and other little pimples. Um, so, you know, there are so many things that you can do to help quote unquote balance your hormones and to kind of uh, avoid that. But Again, it's a very normal, natural process, and it's a pretty universal thing that most girls do experience. Interestingly, for me, like I would much rather get a pimple than get any type of like period cramps. So I will take a pimple over that any day. That's funny. Yeah, I feel like the hormonal acne, I just expect it to come. And I feel like you get to a point where you're just at peace that you barely even notice it anymore. Or you figure out, like Emma said, like products and stuff. One note on skincare that I learned, because one of my friends is an esthetician, so I feel like I always learn tips from her, is that when you're going to bed, you should apply your skincare like one to two hours before you go to bed because it needs time to absorb into the skin. Otherwise, you're going to wipe a lot of it on to your pillowcase because I would always do my skincare like five minutes before going to bed and then I feel like I would wake up and I'm like what the hell just happened um so that's definitely one and then my only other tip from the estheticians of the world that I know is that like if you're younger than 30 you don't need to go crazy with like the AHAs the BHAs the acids all the stuff I think we just have so much more of like an awareness to skincare products now because of social media that a lot of us think we need all of that stuff and I think if you're like you know MRI where you maybe dabbled in experimenting with different products like I almost wish I never did because I feel like my skin was the best when I was just using dial soap and like a moisturizer and then I like fucked it up by using a million things at once so yeah keep it simple um unless you have like serious problems or go to a dermatologist or something like that too um the last topic of the pod is going to be cold weather running I know we have a lot of CMOS girlies runners girlies and a few of you guys have already been 
posting up that you're running through the winter, which I commend you. Um, but I'll give you some of my tips for running in the winter because I have been running for five years. I didn't grow up running. So I don't remember like, you know, going to cross country practice when I was 12 and it was like 10 degrees in Minnesota. But as I've come back for the holidays, like the past years when I've you know, been in New York, um, I always have to think like, what the fuck am I going to do in Minnesota when it's like negative 10 degrees and I have to run outside? So there's levels to it. I feel like if you're a girly that's in California right now, you're probably not even able to comprehend that. But maybe you're, you know, moving to New York for college or maybe you're moving to Wisconsin for college. I don't know. Here's some cold weather running tips. Um, disclaimer, I suppose you could just become a treadmill girly in the winter. I, however, hate treadmills and I don't like putting myself through that. Um, I just think for my body size, like being six feet tall, I think I can't get like a full gait, like a full step when I'm on a treadmill. And so I feel like I compromise like my running form. And then I just feel like I get injured when I run on the treadmill. I only had to do it once with marathon training. Thank fucking God. Um, but you could just become a treadmill girly in the winter, which is totally cool. Get your miles in, do it. But if you do want to bear the cold weather, here are some tips. The first one for me is going to be really, um, all about base layers. So I think if you're someone that's maybe not from a cold climate, the concept of layering is kind of hard to grasp, but, but like if it's negative 10 degrees, you're probably going to be wanting to wear like three layers up top, maybe four. And so some ideas of what this could look like, I think finding like a pair of bra and leggings that are a thicker material for the winter and you don't have to go like crazy mode and get like fleece line shit for when you're running like that's going to be too hot once you actually start moving but I know Outdoor Voices has like the rec tech material I mean I don't even know what Outdoor Voices has these days it's like far and distant in my head but they have some thicker material legging that I feel like I would only be able to wear in the winters on runs if you wear that like in the summer or just like in a workout class you would sweat your ass off so I would put those aside for the winter and those would be like my base layer and then the first kind of like long sleeve shirt that you're going to want to have I would say just make sure it's not cotton I think that's the biggest mistake people make because it seems just like familiar to just grab a cotton long sleeve like an old sports shirt or something but cotton gets really wet so like once you start sweating in it it gets really wet and that cold sweat is going to stick to your skin and make you very cold when you're running so you want to get something that's a dry fit material and that's going to be something that kind of feels like the same material as your legging where it's kind of like a spandex blend. It can have a little bit of cotton if you look at like the tag where it says like the percentages of like whatever, but you want it to be more like moisture wicking, dry fit material. If you're going to run throughout the winter, I say like go to Dick's Sporting Goods or Target or something or like a store near you and get like two to three long sleeves just so you have enough that you don't have to be doing laundry all the time and you can like keep running throughout the week Um, because those will be like a lifesaver for the winter because the next layer that you're going to put on top can just be like any sweatshirt. You can like totally go to cotton on the second layer. Like it doesn't matter because it's not touching your skin. So I, whenever I'm home, I just wear like the most like fucked up old volleyball sweatshirts I have is like my second layer. Um, You also could wear like a windbreaker, a jacket, you could wear a vest. I feel like a lot of people do that. Um, But that's kind of how you want to layer. So you want to make sure that no cotton is touching your skin. And I think if you find like thicker leggings, that can be a good one because some leggings are like way, way too cold to use in the winter as well. Um, The next one is going to be gloves, hats, and socks. Uh, My dad would always yell at us if we would go outside without gloves and hat in the winter. Um, It's such a parent thing in the Midwest to like get mad at your kids for that. Because if, you know, like, let's say they're, my parents would always say like, what if the school bus shuts down? You don't have gloves on. Like, you're going to get hypothermia. 
So I feel like I have gloves and like hat paranoia in my head. But, you know, those parts of your bodies, your hands, your toes and your head are going to get the coldest the quickest. And so if those things can stay warm throughout your run, you probably don't have to put as many layers on your body. So you probably can get away with just wearing like a base layer and then some sort of sweatshirt. Um, So just invest in like little gloves, a hat or something like that. I've never really found it necessary to get like running specific gloves or running specific socks like people always ask me I just run in cotton socks and I don't have that many blisters I have most of my toenails I'm chilling but um yeah gloves and hat I just get like little fleece ones from Target and I wear those you also can get like a net gaiter uh if you are worried about the wind or something like that praying for all the girls that run in Chicago in the winter because I know Chicago is like windy as fuck on the river and I don't know how you do it. Um, So that's tip two. Uh, Tip three is going to be doing your like warm up inside of your apartment. Uh, This is a sign if you don't have a warm up to start doing one as well. But just look up on YouTube, like dynamic running warm up or track warm up or something like that. And put all your layers on and do it inside of your house or your apartment, like entryway, because you're going to get warm. And then once you get outside, you're going to be fine to start running. I think the hardest part of running in the winter is getting started. Like you don't want to go and face the cold. So I think if you're already warm before you get going it kind of makes that transition into like the cold weather better. Um, Cause genuinely I feel like once you're running in the winter, once you're like 10 minutes in, you're probably fine, but it's just like those first 10 minutes feel like really grueling. And you're like, what if I just turned around and went back into my apartment right now? So warm up inside your apartment, get a dynamic warm up routine that you like. And then people always say like, you want to dress for 20 degrees warmer than it is, which kind of sounds crazy. So if it's 30 degrees, you want to dress for it being 50 And if it was 50 degrees, you probably wouldn't go like sicko mode and wear like five like sweatshirts. So take that with caution. It's because you're going to start sweating and warm up when you run. And I definitely think when I first would run in the winter, when I was at like much thinner, I would say of a frame, like I got colder much more than I do now. Like I barely get cold in the winter, but it's also warmer. But um, what I was trying to say is like, I would wear way too many layers when I first would run in the winter. And then like halfway through, I'm like dripping sweat and I feel like I'm in a puddle and I'm going to like pass out because I'm sweating so much. So you don't want to be over layered too. So I think that's like a hard thing that you kind of have to play around with winter running. Like how many layers do you actually need to like get out the door, but then not sweat too much. Um, and then the next tip, like I just kind of mentioned, like I can adapt or I, I can adapt. I am much more adapted to cold climate now. Like I ran in one layer in New York City when it was 25 and just like literally a sports run on a long sleeve and somehow I was fine. But I feel like if I did that like three years ago, I would have needed like three layers because I just wasn't used to like putting myself out in the cold like that. And I don't know exactly like what the combination of why that is, but your body adapts to sort of the challenges that you give it. So if you go to the gym and, you know, fatigue your body and you do some glute exercise, your body's adapting to then build a glute muscle. And so if you put yourself in like cold climates, your body's going to adapt from like a survival perspective. So one thing you can do is like cold showers. So then your body is like much better adapted to like tolerating the cold. Like if you look up the, um, I think it was the Vice documentary about Wim Hof. Like he talks about how he got up to like sitting in like a cold, like a two hour long cold uh, bath and stuff. And then he trains a bunch of people to do the same. So it's something that you can train your body to do. So I feel like if you're a sea muscarly, that's like, I hate the cold. I'm always cold. Like, yes, I was there too. But I think you can make yourself, you know, have better winters once you like adapt to the cold better and then you layer better and you, you know, you're more smart about it. But I think running in the winter is like actually 
kind of a favorite for mine in new york city it's like much more quiet on the west side highway that there's like less pedestrians and shit and then also like my heart rate doesn't get as high because i'm not dripping sweat like running in the summer is like pretty hard for me so i am team pro i'm team running in the winter i'm pro running in the winter if you have any um cold weather running tips that i missed um pop them in geneva because the girlies will probably want to know but um that's the pod for today you got some running and nose tips and skincare tips i suppose in this episode yeah you guys got it all you heard it here first um yeah thank you for listening to the pod we'll catch you all on the meme page we hope everyone has a lovely christmas or holiday whatever holiday it is that you celebrate um i'm sure you all are posting your holiday recipes in the food channel in geneva um i always love to see all the quirky things that people are making especially desserts we're making tiramisu this year which i'm very excited about um but yeah this podcast will come out the day after christmas which is kind of crazy yeah december 26th and then yeah we'll probably hit you guys with some sort of 2024 trend report or forecasting um you know in our fake trend forecasting type of way not in a serious way but that could be a good one for the new year yeah, we have no data to back up any of our claims. I know Whole Foods okay. always puts out one, and I think Mind Body Green also put out one. So maybe we'll review theirs and, you know, let you all know whether we agree or disagree. Yeah, we have so much science backing us. It's just, you know, a meme page. That's our validity. That's our claim to fame. Like the one meme that's like, source, my meme page. Literally, <laughs> that's really literally. the source. Um, anyways, peace and love. Happy holidays. And we will talk to the CMOS girlies next week. <laughs>